Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Anybody love music? Like, like you love music? When my daughter, uh, my oldest child was really young, uh, like three or four, we gave her a iPod. And I just wanted to make sure, like I had no idea if she was going to be able to sing or not. And so I was like, we got to get this music in you. And so we got her an iPod. And we downloaded it with a, a bunch of songs. You know, we had a little Toby Mac, little Toby Mac. She was four years old, but you know what I'm saying? We just, we, I, I just wanted her to be like, you know, have a little rhythm. Uh, we also threw some skillet in there. You know what I'm saying? We, we thought four-year-olds need screaming. And so uh, we, we also gave her some Whitney Houston because you, know, you, know, you never know. You got to have a little, little soul. I wanted a bit of a soul sister. I just wanted her to have a little. Um, and, and, but, but there was... Uh, we also did Disney songs. We did a lot of Disney songs. And so she would sing those songs. And, and I, I don't know if you will ever really have the pleasure of anybody when you go on a ride or drive or a long trip, like you play trivia in the car for the kids. Uh, well, we used to do that with um, Disney songs until she got so good that the song would play for one second. And all of a sudden, she'd be like, I know what this is. And so now we, we don't play that anymore. Uh, and I encourage you, don't play that with her because she's going to win. Um, but there was one song on the, there was one song on the iPod that got me every time we played it. It was uh, Butterfly Kisses. Do you, I don't know if you remember that song. Some of you, like if you're over 40, you're like, ah. but, but, but the truth is when I played that song, it, it always made you cry. Like, like because I, I just connected to it. And so basically the song is by uh, this guy named Bob. And, uh, and uh, Bob writes this song and it's about him being and his daughter going through the child phase, the adult phase, and then getting married. And so every time uh, I would listen to this, when Hallie Kate was like three or four, I'd be like, <laughs> and so I, like it was just one of those songs that just made you cry. And I'm like living in the moment. I can see her walking down the aisle and walking away forever. And, and it's just one of those songs. And so I thought, is this still going to impact me now that you're a teenager? And, you know, because you were really cute back then. And, and now you, you're a teenager and you're still wonderful and still cute and still great. But, it's, you know, you're a teenager now. And, and so uh, I played it. It got me. Still got me. Still got me. And, and I think this, the reason this song kind of resonates with me is obviously because I have uh, a daughter. I have a daughter. Uh, I know some of you are thinking you have two. I know, I know, I have two. I have two, but um, but yeah, I, um, I think that I could see myself in that place. I could see myself living vicariously through Bob Carlyle's song. I, I could, I could feel the emotion. He was making this declaration. He was making this statement, and I just, I, he was like giving me a foreshadow of what was to come, and I didn't like it. I was like, uh, just thinking about. My kids leaving, uh, my daughters being married, me paying for wedding, <laughs> going like real deep spiritual things. Do, do you ever listen to songs that touch your heart? 
that, that move you, songs that have something to say, that, that feel like they're saying something valuable, that make a declaration or a statement or an announcement that you want other people to know. We are in, a, in the middle of a sermon series called The Playlist. And here is what we think. We think that there should be some songs marked in your soul that resonate from you. And, and, and they should be pretty important. They should be foundational. Um, when these songs play from you, these songs should mean something. They should be on repeat. Come on. How many of you like to repeat that one song? You have that one worship song and you repeat it and you repeat it and you repeat it. We believe that there are some songs in your soul that should be on repeat, songs that make a statement. And my assignment today is a declaration of faith. A declaration of faith. John chapter 6, verse 35 and 40. 30, John chapter 6, 35 through 40. Um, and you, absolutely, come on, you can be excited. We're opening the Bible. Some of you are like, I've never been in a church that does that. I don't know. Um, John chapter 6, 35 and, and, and 40 through 40 says this. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Listen to this. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Everybody say hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In other words, here's this idea that you are going to hunger your whole life and you are going to thirst your whole life. And it's not just external, it's not just physical, but it's actually spiritual. And your spirit, man, your soul is craving the Lord but your flesh wants to give it a surrogate. Your flesh says, feel something, but your spirit is saying, submit. And so you are constantly going to be hungry and you're constantly going to be thirst. Look at this, verse 36. But I have said to you that you have seen me, but you don't believe. Jesus is talking. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Basically what he's saying is, uh, the Father is, is moving on the hearts of men, moving on the hearts of women, and he is bringing them. The Bible says that God draws all men unto him. And what Jesus is saying is, whoever is drawn unto me, I will not reject them, I will not cast them out, but I will open my doors to them and let them come in. Okay? 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I don't know if you've read John chapter 6 lately, but John chapter 6 starts out just, uh, Jesus is showing out. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus begins to start talking, preaching. People are starting to come. They're starting to be mesmerized by what Jesus is talking about. And then all, all of a sudden, uh, it starts to get dark, and his disciples are kind of nudging him, and hey, let's wrap it up. It's good. You've kind of gone over. The countdown has gone to zero. Uh, people need to leave. And Jesus is like, we should probably be feeding them. And... Philip is like, we don't have that much money. This is a lot of people. 5,000 men, not counting women and children. We, 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 we don't have enough to feed these people. And Jesus says, well, what do we have? And he had, they found five barley loaves, and they found two fish. And Jesus says, give it to me. He blesses it. He prays over it. He orders the people to sit 
and, and, and there begins to be some structure and order. And, and I, I think that this is not my point, but I want to say that if you're wanting God to bless your life without some structure and order, then you're praying for something that God will not do because God will never give you more if you don't order what you have. Because God is the God of use. And so God is not the God of waste. Okay? God will give you what you need. And if as you need more, he will give you what you need. And as you need more, that's how God works. Well, as the people are sitting, this small meal turns into a buffet. Everybody's like, what? They're eating bread. They're eating fish. They're getting full. Everybody is getting excited. The disciples are like, I told you. I told you he was the one. Like, like it's, it's a big, there's a buzz around. People are very excited, much like you guys today. They, they're just excited. And here's the thing. Jesus begins to perceive what's in their heart, and he knows that they're about to What's fun, the Bible says that they're about to take him and make him the king. And so he talks to the disciples and he says, listen, everybody get up. We're leaving. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're going to start a business, this is probably not how you do it. You know what I mean? If you're going to start a great movement of God, this is probably not how you do it. But at the, at, at, at the point, the apex of their excitement, Jesus is like, let's get out of here. And so he asked the disciples to get in a boat, cross a lake. And they're like, you coming? And he's like, no, I'm going to catch up with y'all later. And in the middle of the chapter 6 of John, he walks on the water. And, and he's walking to them. And they're like, hey, don't be afraid. And I'm like, <laughs> like if, I go, if I was there, I'd be like, you're saying that. But you're the first person I've seen walk on the water. And this is pretty scary. I wasn't expecting that. I don't know how you were going to get to the other side of this lake, but I didn't feel like you were going to creep up on me on the water. And so Jesus has a conversation with them. Jesus gets in the boat. They go to the other side. The people wake up and are like, Jesus is gone. And they immediately start getting in boats, getting to the other side. They get over there. And when they get to Jesus, they're like, how come you didn't tell us you were leaving? Like, we're with you. Like, you... you we're committed to you. We got you. And Jesus begins to download a concept. He begins to have a courageous conversation. In fact, he doesn't just uh, prey on the hype and prey on the excitement. He actually begins to get extremely bold in this moment. It's like he cuts the excitement out of the air right when it's about to peak and he changes gears. And I think here's why. Jesus wasn't looking for fans. Jesus wasn't looking for friends. Jesus wasn't looking for a really cool community that had a cool vibe. Je Jesus wasn't looking for key community figures that would really help advance his agenda. Jesus wasn't looking for financiers who, you know, they had this little kind of one, two, three system where the disciples would go and if someone prominent walked in, hey, how are you? The master would love a, to get a cappuccino with you if you ever have time. Like Jesus wasn't looking for 
any of that. He was looking for some committed followers. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. He was looking to hear a declaration of faith from his people. And, and the interaction between Jesus and the crowd went like this. Look at this. John chapter 6, verse 53 and 59. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink Drink his blood. I mean, like, you have no life in you. And, he, and he, it's not like he hits a one zinger. He begins to go deep. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides, come on, listen, in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, listen to this, he also lives because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the, the bread the fathers ate, and died. What is he talking about? He's talking about the children of Israel. This is kind of a throwback illustration to God beginning to move the children of Israel out. And for 40 years, God had manna that came, come on, in the morning and quail that came at night. And God did that for 40 years until they took possession of the promised land. And Jesus is saying, what I'm about to get you, give you, will, 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 quench your thirst and fill your hunger and it's never going to go away 59 and jesus said these things in the synagogue and taught them in capernaum and this is an illustration like i said of the children of israel and god wanted them to follow him God had a man, Moses, and God had anointed Moses, and God wanted his people, Israel, come on, to follow him and believe. Many times they rejected God by believing that God didn't have enough. Come on. And if you want to know the primary reason for our downfall, our temptation into sin, our, our, our hurting, our momentum, it is we believe that there is not enough. Look at Exodus chapter 16, verse 11 through 13. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of my people Israel. Say to them, at twilight you will eat meat in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And in the evening quail came up and covered the camp. In the morning dew laid on the camp. You would think that this is after Israel has already been freed. So let's talk about this. Here's the idea. Israel's in, uh, uh, the children of Israel are in captivity. God not only does miraculous after miraculous he beats pharaoh he moves them out of egypt he splits the red sea he destroys the enemy and now they're complaining come on parents you ever know what i'm talking about remember when our kids were really young and we would go 
And we would have like an incredible day. We would go to uh, get something to eat. We'd go to Silver Dollar City. We would uh, hang out. We would have fun. We'd go out to eat again. And on the way home, desperate, having no more breath, no physical strength in our body, my wife and I would look at each other and a child from the back seat of the van would go, what's next? And we would both look back and go, be quiet. You've had the greatest day of your life. Appreciate me. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about? That's what we do to God. We're like, he does this and we pray for it. And we do this and, and he does this and, he, and we pray and he does it. And we ask God for this and he does it. And then we're like, what are you doing? I don't, even, I don't even know if this whole thing is real. Because here's where I'm at now. Here's what I'm trying to say is that even after he fed them for 40 years, the manna and the quail, they never stayed grateful. Numbers chapter 21 verse 5 says, And the people spoke against God and Moses, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water. We loathe this worthless food. In other words, we are rejecting what you are trying to give us. Because we ultimately don't want it. They actually got tired of manta, manna. They, got, they called it worthless. Their playlist began to change. And it wasn't a playlist of gratitude and thanksgiving. It was a playlist of complaining and grumbling. You would think that their song list would be, you know, mighty God. Strong tower. My God always wins. But instead, it was complaining, complaining, complaining. See, God had to teach his people how to worship him and follow him. And I need to, to, you to lean into this real quick. Because just because you come to church doesn't mean that you know how to worship God and follow him. See, attendance doesn't equal submission. That's what the crowd shows us, is that I can actually be in the proximity of Jesus, experiencing some of the miraculous, but not really have the heart that says, I will believe, I will follow, and whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. Today, we're going to talk about three declarations that I think will help you follow God and build your faith. Three declarations that will help you build your faith. The first is this that we get from this, uh, this text is we have to have a declaration that Jesus is God. Out of our mouth, in fact, when we confess our sin, that is Porsche, a part of it, but we have to actually believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the way to God, the Redeemer. And so one of the declarations that we have to make is that Jesus is God. We don't want songs playing in our life that leave people confused about what we're really trying to say. 
And so we live in a world that the, the overarching concept is the ends justify the means. And everybody lives pragmatically, right? So I believe this, but I can't say this, and I can't say it, because if I say it, I'm going to offend someone. And so I will never say what I believe, and then I'm always flexible. I'm always trying to figure out what you think before I tell you what I think because I don't want to tell you what I think because I A, don't want you to reject me and B, I don't want to offend you. And so what is happening is we are actually raising sons and daughters and have friends and family and no one's making declarations of faith. It's important for us to know that confusion leaves after submission to the Lord. God is not the author of confusion. And if we have a church, the big C church, the local church, if we have a lot of confusion, that is a sign that there's an area that has not been submitted to the Lord. Like you have an opinion or an agenda or a fact or, or a concept that doesn't fit with the narrative of God and now we're confused because it's like you want me to do that but I don't think it's fair or you want me to say that but I don't think that that and so now we're in flux. Confusion happens when we try to invent our own way of living and navigating life without, outside of God's guidance. The Bible warns us about this. It's called being double-minded. James talks about it all the time. If we are double-minded, then it's like our life becomes like the wave of the sea and we're tossed. And we saw that many times. I'm 47 years old. I have seen the tossing again and again. And it may be a different president. It may be a different Congress. It may be a different thing going on in the world. But there is always this tossing. Are we for this or are we against this? Are we standing up or are we, are we backing? Where are we at? And there's always this tossing. Our playlist should be songs that are full of clear and compelling lyrics. For that to happen, <laughs> you got to know who Jesus is. Like, you got to know who Jesus is. And in this passage, listen, many believe Jesus to be a prophet, a good man, a moral teacher. And, and we all have different motives for coming to church. I, I want a little bit better community. I, my community, the three people have moved, two people have done this. And, you know, I just need better friends. You know what? I just need a couple moral lessons. Me and my wife or, or me and my friend or me and my coworker. Like, I, I feel like I've got a lot of issues and so I just need some, some help. I just need, I kind of need some moral lessons. No, I didn't have a dad. I didn't have a mom. So I just need someone to teach me some principles. But Jesus is telling us that he is the true manna from heaven. And Jesus said to those around him, you have seen me, but you do not believe in other words, you're following me for what I do, but you're not following me for who I am. As Christians, we are declaring that Jesus is God. God sent Jesus to give us life. This passage teaches us that Jesus is, come on, God in human 
form. He is all God. He is all man. He is the fullness without measure. John chapter 10 verse 30 says, I and the Father are one. Jesus is telling us, listen to this, that you don't really know God if you don't accept me. Declaring your faith in Jesus is the true test of surrender to God. Let me say it like this. You can't love God unless you love Jesus. Jesus is the one that just said that. He said, listen, how you treat me in, the, in, in, in this relationship is, is how you're treating God. And they didn't believe him. It didn't matter what he did. There was always skepticism and what is your real motive and who are you and why do you let your disciples do this and and always questioning, always criticizing, always looking through through, uh, the glasses of something's not right. Come on. For us, we want to be people that declare Jesus as God. And there is no like... I'm so silent about this. I don't know what to say. Like this is the start to the revelation and transformation process in your life. Here's the second thing is that we have to declare out of our mouth many, many times that God will supply all of our needs. God will supply all of my needs. God will supply all of my needs. That isn't like wishful thinking or Christian fairy dust stuff. That that is the whole concept of the Bible. You will not follow God if you do not believe he will supply all of your needs. And so what happens is when we don't believe that he will help us and we don't believe that we can go to him and we have needs that he will not supply them, then we begin to look to other things and other people and we actually hurt every relationship in our life because I need you to do for do something for me that I feel like was God's responsibility, but he didn't come through. We got to declare, my God will supply all of my needs. Come on, don't switch the song. Don't switch the song because you go through a problem. Don't switch the song because you're in a difficult season. Have you ever ridden with someone that as soon as the jam gets set and everybody's grooving in the car, they change the song? Like, why, why, don't change the song. What are you doing? Like, that's basic 101. You change the song when the song is over, but you don't change the song in the middle of the song. We can't be grooving or headbanging or fist pumping or whatever and just, dang it, and start over. But here's what happens is because we get frustrated, we change the song. And and, and it used to be God is awesome and gracious and whatever. And then we get a doctor's report or or, or we get the wind that our company may be cutting back or, or something happens and all of a sudden we begin to change the song. Don't switch the song like the children of Israel. Keep it playing. The enemy would love to switch your playlist But I promise you, listen, there are going to be times in your car, in your home, in your job, in your house, with your relationships that you are going to have to declare out of your mouth, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches, according to his glory. What does that mean? His riches and his glory, meaning he has enough and he is enough. His riches and his glory, like God's not poverty, And God's glory hasn't diminished. 
This passage says, whoever feeds, whoever feeds. It doesn't say, whoever ate. This means that there's an endless supply of food for your soul so that you can make it and navigate a hard culture. Jesus isn't running out of what you need. So let's just talk about what Jesus has to provide for you that would nourish your soul and help your thirst. He's a teacher. The Bible says that Jesus is a teacher, meaning that he will teach you. And so you, you may be in two camps today. You may be ignorant of what God wants for you, not, not because you're stupid, just because you don't know all there is. You didn't grow up in church. You didn't know there was a God. You kind of heard about it from a couple friends that you played on the football team with, but you really didn't know anything. So you just don't know. He is your teacher. He will break it down to you and he will instruct you in righteousness and he will teach you what you don't know. He doesn't make fun of you. He doesn't, you know, mock you. He teaches you. And maybe you're naive. Maybe you think, oh, it's just, all I got to do is just do this and I'll, everything great will happen in my life. And he teaches you. He teaches you. And he's compassionate. And he's kind. And takes time. He's the shepherd. He's the shepherd. That means like when wolves are coming at you, he's the shepherd. You know what I'm saying? Like a, little, like a little staff to the neck. Like he's looking after you. He's protecting you. Well, I don't know how he's protecting me. I've been hurt by this person and this person and this person. Yeah, but spiritually, you have no idea how much presence, how much demonic, how much things that God has been. That is my child. Do not touch. You have no idea what God has been doing and how he's been fighting. Come on, on your behalf. And also, he's a shepherd, so he directs. Come on, anybody ever kind of grew up in church, did the church thing, and all of a sudden, your sheepish ways, all of a sudden, you're frolicking where you don't need to frolic, and, you, and, you, and all of a sudden, a song comes on the radio, you're talking to a friend, you're watching Netflix, and all of a sudden, you feel that cane come right around your neck, and it's like, oh, okay, okay, I, I, I am so convicted, this is terrible, I, I, need, I need to go back to church. That's what God does. He just, come on. See, because here's what he says. Whoever God gives me, I'm not going to lose him. See, he's a good shepherd. He's the lamb. He's the lamb. Meaning like, like, you don't have to be under any shame. It doesn't matter what self-talk is happening. Like he's the lamb and that lamb laid down and was a sacrifice, come on, listen, for your sins. And so you don't need to walk around under shame of what happened when you were 16 or 20. It doesn't matter how bad it was or how evil it was. And, and, and obviously there are things that in our society you have to pay for certain wrongs. I'm not saying that. But under heaven in eternity, that lamb lays down for everyone. So you don't have to hunger and you don't have to thirst. The Bible says that Jesus is the way. The way. He is not the suggestion. 
He is the way. In other words, he is a pathway to God that will start spiritual transformation in your life. He is not one of many options. He is the option. He's the bread. He sustains you. And he's God. Don't fall for the lie that Jesus isn't filling. The goal isn't for you to try Jesus. I'm just going to try it going to try. I don't know if I like this. This feels very heavy, maybe even some legalism. Maybe it feels very controlling. I just, I'm really a free thinker. I'm free society. I'm free everything. And so I like the freedom part about God, but I, I don't want to like, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I don't want anybody giving me like a command. Command are so outdated. I just want, I want someone to make light suggestions and give me some, lots of positive feedback and maybe, you know, maybe describe to me a step I could or could not take based on how I feel in the moment, which most of the time I don't even know how I feel. He is the way. In other words, like if you submit to this way and you do it this way, it's, that way is going to work and that way is going to produce healing and transformation. Come on, somebody, in your life. And we have so many people, even in the church, confused because everybody can feel like they can create their own way based on other people's backgrounds or choices or hurts or hangups. And I am not saying that the church should not be compassionate, but here is the problem that we are at in the church. How do we be nice and not open the doorway and the flood to destroy our families and our children and embrace something that we know will lead them away from God's presence? You hear what I'm saying? And so the only way to do that is to submit your way to Jesus and, and be the one that stands between the accusers and the prostitute and, and, and take the hits and the criticism, but be truthful and loving. But we've got to make some declarations. The goal isn't for you to just... Snack on the Lord. It's for you to keep eating. And he is enough, listen, to satisfy your spiritual hunger and quench your thirst. And Jesus' goal wasn't to feed man physically, but it was to feed him spiritually. Come on, listen, for all eternity and church, for us to grow, we have to keep on feeding what will make us full. Uh, we have so many babies. I can't wait to do um, our, our baby dedications. But the, the reality is, infants, so everything that God does is a type and shadow. It is a picture of what heaven is like because God knows we can't see it. And so a baby cannot live without the nourishment of And so man can concoct formula and don't I'm 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 not trying to make a division on breastfeeding and well I'm I'm not I'm just saying like 
We can replace a lot of things, but you can't replace how babies grow and they don't grow themselves. And there needs to be some, does that, you know what I'm saying? Like God created that so that we would get a picture of you, you can't make it. And you're going to be hungry and you're going to whine and you're going to call out and you're going to be frustrated and you're going to be mad. And guess what? I can supply all of your needs. The enemy and the world would love to leave you hungry and thirsty. And here's what we're finding out is the enemy and our flesh would love for us to change our worldview and cause us to feed on the desires we feel. And so the pop culture is, you do you. Whatever you feel is true. And the Bible tells us that we are all tempted and enticed by the lust that is within us. And there are some desires that are in you that are contrary to where God wants to take you. And they will actually put you in bondage. They will not leave you free. We don't need to feed on every distraction that comes in contact with our eyes. Ooh, ooh, and we're always looking at, what do you have? Where are you going? What are you doing? How much do you make? Oh my gosh, they got a minivan. We need a minivan. Oh, they went to Disney World. We got to go to Disney. And so now we're always looking at what everybody else is doing and what they have. And, and God's like, I have something for you to do. And I have something for them to do. And I don't need you to look over at, 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 at every college student and wish you were there again. And I don't need you to look over every season of your life and wish you were there again. And I don't need you to despise where you're at. I need you to grow where you're at. And if you will feed on me, here's the deal. God is so good, he can make anything bloom even in the desert. Jude 17 and 18. But you re must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, in the last days, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Here's what I need you to know is that we are inundated with ideology all the time and you are following something. And I'm not saying that you don't need to be successful. I'm not saying that God doesn't have great things for you. Come on. But I am saying that God wants you to follow him. And it's a declaration. Here's the third thing. The third thing is you're gonna have to declare your dependence on Jesus. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. Like, the song that comes from your soul should not be about independence. It should be about dependence on Jesus. The verse that we read, will you, will you go back there real quick? I want to I show them that. It's 57. 57. Well, okay. It's okay. Um, it says this. Um, John chapter 6, uh, verse 57. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, come on, give them a big hand. Great job. Thank you so much. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, 
So whoever feeds, everybody say feeds, on me, he will also live because of me. What is the implication? The implication is if you stop feeding, you stop living. You hear what I'm saying? You stop growing. You stop thriving. You stop, con you stop conquering. You stop, you stop winning. You stop overcoming. You, 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 you stop. And for us, we've got to be okay with dependence. Listen, listen. This means that you don't get to live outside of the context that you will always forever need God. Jesus writes the songs and we just play them. He is the boss. We submit. We obey. He leads. We follow. That, that's it. Jesus didn't want an easy approach and everybody at the, at the, at the extreme excitement and, and the, the, the epic moment of their hype to say, let's start enlisting them. Everybody get planning center. This is it. We're going to start a movement. He starts throwing out. You're going to have to eat me. And you're going to have to drink my blood. And can you just imagine being in that meeting and going... I came here for bread. I came, like, I heard you were giving out fish, and so I was like, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm, oh, yeah. And now you're like, ew. Here's the thing. Jesus was looking for real commitment. He wanted people to place their faith in him, not just follow him because it was comfortable. He was looking for commitment, not carelessness. We follow his example and his instruction. We follow even when, listen to this, it's gonna be hard. We don't understand. Come on, where are my parents in the room? Have you ever said it? Because I said so. You were gonna be the one parent that was never gonna say that. You vowed, I will never say that to my children because I am better than my parents. And then all of a sudden, you had a wonderful full of God and grace and wonderful value, but you had a hard-headed child. And they thought you spoke in suggestion. Hey, will you clean your room? And you know what they heard? If you want to, if you have a little bit of time, if nothing else is going on in the whole universe, could you pick up one thing? And so you had to lay it down. You will do it because I said so. And what are they always, but, but, you don't know, but I was trying to use the washing machine and I, but, and, and here's, the, here's the thing, is too many times God is trying to lead us and he's saying, I want you to make this change, I want you to make this move, I want you to do this, and we have a but. 
but I don't understand. But I need you to confirm it. But I need you to put it on Fox News. But I need you to put it on CNN. But I need you to. And God's like, who else you want? <laughs> like, I kind of throw it down. And I'm asking you to give up this so I can take you here. But I'm not going to argue with you about it. I just need you to know that whatever I put on your heart is better for you here than it is for you here. This type of commitment will affect your character, your conversations, your occupation, your family, your friends, your marriage, your money, and even, come on, listen, this church. Jesus tells us who the feeder is. Who's the feeder? I am going to feed you, and I am the bread of life. Come on, now listen to this, because I'm about to go there. So if you haven't liked this message the whole time. Uh, you won't like this part too, so it'll kind of be a theme. Uh, uh, but I promise it'll be better next week, okay? There is a, a major problem going on in the big C church. And when I meet with pastors and they, they, they call me and we talk, this is something that they're hearing in all of their churches. And I'm so grateful that, I mean, people may think it here, but I just haven't heard it yet. But the, 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 but the, re, the reality, I love the fact that we're growing and we're maturing and that we understand sitting and serving and, and we have that rhythm in our lives. But here is something that is plaguing the church. It is the thought, I am not being fed. I am not being fed. And I want to talk to this a little bit. The notion that I'm not being fed could mean many, many things. And I want to hit a couple. Sure, the church has got to preach Jesus. We don't need self-help messages with all that's going on. We, we need to get into the word. We need to know what the word is about. We need to teach. We need to, we need to train. And we can do that in many different segments. We can do that on Sunday mornings. We can do that in life groups. We can do that. So I agree. We also need discipleship back in the big C church. But here's what I, I want to say. And I, and I also, let me just say this. I also know that people transition. Like we were at a church for 20 years and we're no longer there right now. So it's not like we're evil and, you know what I'm saying? Like people transition. And, and it's our heart as a church to fill up people's spiritual backpack. And, and, and we want your time here to be better for you so that you can fulfill the calling of God on your life. And so when people leave, as they often do in church, moving, changing, transitioning, whatever, our heart is that we want to leave the door unlocked and the light on. Because God's doing something that we might not even know about. So I understand all of that context, okay? But I want to talk about something. When we begin to communicate I am not being fed. This thought, I am not being fed, is actually misdirected. It is a passive statement that takes very little responsibility and ownership to go to Jesus who is the feeder or the Holy Spirit who is the revealer of truth. Jesus even said this in John chapter four, verse 34. Jesus said, 
My food, whose food? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. There is this concept in church where we crave comfort just like the children of Israel did. And they wanted God, like, I'm having a problem now when I need you to fix it. And I'm having a problem now when I need you to fix it. And so I'm only happy when I'm comfortable. But the reality is there are things, problems that are going to happen in your life that is going to cause you to open the Bible, learn how to pray, listen to the Holy Spirit, and dig some stuff out for yourself. Come on. And we're in a culture, can I just, for two more minutes, can I vent? I love y'all. But we're in a culture that nobody wants to do anything for themselves. I want to manage my kids, but I don't want to parent them. I'm so focused with being their best friend that I can't tell them exactly what I feel like God wants me to tell them. We're in a culture that we don't want any responsibility for what we say, what we do, where we go, where we work, how long we've been there. You know what? It just And so now it's a church thing. I don't want to read my Bible for myself and let God begin to work on my heart. I'm busy. I'm living the American dream. We both have jobs. You expect us to read the Bible and when we're both putting in 50 hours, <laughs> you just need to get better. And I'm just telling you this, no one, no church is going to be that good because we from the pulpit cannot address every personal thing that's going on in your life. But the Holy Spirit, the counselor can do that. Come on, listen for you. Come on. I believe this type of thinking is a trap to hurt the church and Jesus' spiritual food wasn't following a sermon style that he liked. It wasn't passive, it was active. And Jesus is telling us that the spiritual nourishment comes by serving, not sitting. Here's what I want you to know. If you're dry, I get it. Katie and I, we've been dry a lot of times. So this is not shame. This is just conversation. But it's in those moments that we have to ask ourselves: is the pressure of our life backing us away from the presence of God or moving it to the presence of God? And do we, have we disconnected from people that we're pouring out? Because the Bible says that when we give, we will receive. And so some of you need water and you haven't been given it. And that's one of the reasons you could be dry. Some of you need water because you've been pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and you need to take a moment and sit strategically and then get back to serving. John 6, 60 verse 63. Are we good? Are we learning something? Is it okay? All right, cool. Then many of the disciples heard what Jesus was saying and said, this is hard. Maybe you're like, oh, I'm not coming back here. That's too hard. Okay, look here. Who can listen to this? Like, who can listen to this? 
But Jesus, knowing in himself the disciples were grumbling about this, said to themselves, do you take offense at this? In other words, like, I see what's going on in your heart. Why are you frustrated? Why are you mad about this? What's going on in you? Then, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In other words, do you think it would change if I just went up to heaven? It is the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh is no help at all. And the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Even Jesus had to investigate the conversations that were coming from his own disciples. And he was asking them, like, do you take offense at what I'm suggesting and what I'm saying? Jesus was wanting people to make a declaration. And so how do we become a church? Listen that is full of the passion of Jesus, believes that God can meet needs and heal people and begin to move them out of bondages. That we're people of life and not gossip and tearing everybody down. and Like there's life flowing through us that we make environments fun and life-giving. Jesus lets us know real quick, he wasn't running a cruise ship. He was running a battleship. And this is a battleship church. I just need you to know that. This is a battleship church. Cruise ships are about entertainment. Come on. Cruise ships are about what type of food we're serving. And if the service is good enough. And if the atmosphere is right. And if it feels comfortable here. But a battleship is about commitment. Come on somebody. It's about serving. It's about being on mission. It's about, come on listen. Everybody contributing. It's about being ready, being ready when you walk in the hallway to not just sit around and go, who's going to see me and who's going to be my friend, but let the Spirit of God begin to cause you to see someone that you haven't seen and go up there and just say hi. My hope for you is that you make a declaration of faith. A declaration of faith. Faith in Jesus is going to bring you everything you need. Everything you need. It'll bring you life. It'll bring you strength. It'll bring you peace. Come on. Jesus is the only place that you feel safe and secure. And come on, right now, I believe that there are two or three people in here that you, you, you have battled with never feeling safe. And I am telling you, the only place that you can feel safe is with Jesus. The Bible says that He'll never leave you and He'll never forsake you. He'll never abandon you. He'll never leave you as an orphan. Some of you, you have felt most of your life that you are the problem. And here's what I want you to know. Jesus says you are not the problem. In fact, what you're going through and what you're dealing with is not an issue for me. I want you to come and I want, listen, I want to know you. I, I believe that there are good things for you. And, and Jesus is saying, come all who are weary and laden, heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. Come on, there's rest for you not feeling good enough. He wants to know you. He wants to love you. He wants a relationship with you. Some of you in this room, you may have only known rejection from parents or people in your life. And I want you to know that Jesus will not reject you. Some of you have wondered 
Does my presence even matter in this world? And Jesus tells us that it does. Like, listen, you matter. And so, as we wrap this up today, here is a question that I want to give you. What declaration are you making with your life? What declaration are you making with your life? And here in a second, they're going to bring down the lights and and we're going to transition into some ministry time. And, and I would say this, that if you've never made a declaration of faith, then today your first step is, Jesus, I accept you as God, and I ask you to forgive my sins and wash me clean. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.